As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, one of the things that I love about this guy that's coming on today is he is out there in the woods. He's in nature. He is out on the great, one of the great lakes of Maine, man. He's got himself a little lodge. He's got the foundation retreat, man. He is a regular. What was that movie with? Uh, great Outdoors. Great Outdoors with oh, John Candy, man. Oh, my God. You, that, that whole picturesque, like, beautiful lake in the woods. Oh. Cabin. It's Maine. That place is, I can't wait to go up there sometime, man. There's a buddy of mine that belongs to this joint up in upstate New York called the Adirondacks League Club. Thing's been around for hundreds of years and he, hmm. he my buddy Jeff Doyle and he took me out to this thing and it was the spitting image of that whole stuff. I mean, when I went to camp back in the day, <laughs> I went to, what was it? I think it was Pine Tree in North Carolina. There was like one teeny ass little lake, dude. It was, you know, it was horrible, dude. I, I remember being in. Was that in vacation when they pull up? Like, There's a pool. And it has the ducks are swimming and it's halfway full. It's, like, it's green. Oh, man. Dude, I mean, the only, it was, I mean, I remember my first kind of camp experience, dude. I was in sixth grade. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was first time away. There were girls. There was a camp dance and stuff, man. And I was, the only thing I knew I was cool is I smuggled in one of those big ass 
buck knives, those John Rambo, you know, with the prongs so you can use that. And I remember I was so scared that I'd get caught because they said, don't bring any knives. Don't. And I had this thing. And I finally broke it up in my little hooch, and I became like the coolest guy at camp with that because I had that thing. You have to have <laughs> therapy for ten years and be thrown in prison now if you take a pocket oh, yeah, knife. Right? right, you'd be gone. I'd been in jail, dude. My parents have been in jail, dude. Camp was sick, man. I mean, you you do little canoeing. I mean, the real camp for me, which was an amazing outdoor experience, yeah. was Outward Bound. I mean, hands down, I've. They're one of the greatest organizations. They do. They have a veterans outward bound. If you are a vet, you can go on four outward bound experiences at any outward bound around the country for free. Four of them, dude. Down in the Keys, really? you can do snow sledding, snow dog uh, sledding, North Carolina. I mean, these places are awesome. But I remember at 15, they had this part. We were, we were, we never were at home base. We left and we didn't come back for three weeks to include a 24 hour overnight solo. That was amazing. And that that was this thing that, that snapped me up. 15. It was incredible. One of the best experiences I've ever had. And you did yours where? North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina, outward bound. Yeah. And Cobb. It was Whoa. unbelievable. How about you, Marcus? What were you doing over the summer? I worked. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> worked. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was five years old, had a full-time job. No, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you go so to one up, lake yeah, or well, something Yeah, we like grew that? up on the lake. Yeah. So the, the, the best part about was our summer jobs. With all the boys, we worked for... Um, there's this guy who had a construction company, and when the big lake was Lake Conroe when we were growing up, and they were still bulkheading uh, most of it. Some of the upper-end neighborhoods, most of all the upper-end neighborhoods weren't even there, and uh, most of the bigger marinas uh, weren't there either. Right, right. So as we grew up, man, out there on that lake, we, that was our summer job. We just kind of go over and, and asked if we could just work doing that stuff. And it was the That's greatest awesome. thing, man, because there was, well, we were building bulkheads on the lake all day. There was a huge barge and had a... Uh, uh, pneumatic hammer that would drive the, the planks yeah, in the side. Yeah, that things are awesome. So we were literally cruising down in the, the lake just all summer. It's kind of like the Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn on the raft on the Mississippi Man. And we, on our downtime, we'd get the crane, grab a hold of the crane, it'd sling us around out into the, into the middle of the water, man, because <laughs> of Texas heat, right? Yeah. So, and uh, we always had the jet skis around, too. And we, that's, we made money doing that, and then we also put signs up along all the marinas near the uh, gas pumps. If you dropped anything in the water and you wanted it recovered, just call this number. And then we would show up, and we would dive for it, free dive. We didn't have any tanks or anything like that. Yeah. Just kind of getting prepped for being a frogman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if we found it, then they had to pay us half of what it was worth. And if we didn't find it, they had to pay us anything. And um, you know, a lot of the weekend warriors would come out, so we would, on the holidays, we'd post up where we knew the bad areas of the lake were. Right. You just see these guys just, they'll either buy a brand new boat or rent one. Have no idea what no they're doing. Idea. And just oh. tear through there and rip the engines out of the back. And we just motor over and be like, you need some help. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Man, but, that's what it's uh, like down South Florida in summers, man. The Seto guy makes millions, dude. I'm telling you. It's, it's really a way to grow up on the water with all your boys doing that, man. Cause it actually brings you closer. We're working in, in the water and dangerous, yeah. right? Something happens and then just, I'll never forget it. It's the time of our lives. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I tell you what, man, just 
looking at the pictures of what Travis has built over there and, you know, just watching, returning the favor, his show with Mike Rowe, that, you know, Mike Rowe's great show. And, and again, I just want to say thank you to, to Mike uh, for reaching out to Travis for us and getting your and have, hooking us up so we could bring him on our show. Man, this is one, Marcus, that I am incredibly fired up for. Yeah, it's been a while since Travis. I got a chance to hang out, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. Well, Wizard, what do you say, man? First off, before you get into this, Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. And over here, behind the scenes, making it all function, the My brain, I love dude. the way your note contrasted with the soundtrack note in perfect distance. dude, <laughs> that soundtrack's in my head constantly when I think about you, your buddy. Your skill at that is... I'm, I try my uh, best. that word? Befuddled. Bef- what? <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Bay if word. this is your first yeah. time listening, do we have a doozy for you? This is going to blow you away. Huh? We're going to... Bl- I mean, this is going to be <laughs> epic, man. Bay you word. are... You are going to love this so much that you will become one of our repeat offenders day in and day out. And to all those who love our show and keep coming back for more, thank you so much, Marcus. We're we're closing in on $6 million now, bud. <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? No. It's insane, man. It's insane. Now, if you want to know more about... Thank you all for that, by the way. Right? That's a good, good time to say thank you. Good time to say thank. If you want to know more about what it is we do, why we do it, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com and you can check out. We've got great merch, merch, merchandise, merch. a bunch of team never quit podcast shirts ears and ears in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and check it out. We also have this wonderful section for you to share your greatest never quit story to become a part of our community. And if you do, if you share a great story, we, we might read it on air. And if it's great, Marcus, coming on, is, you're going to come on. Now, Marcus, how stoked are we to pull on one of our great first sponsors, forhims.com, the one stop shop for all types of men's issues, hair loss, skin care issues, and sexual wellness, baby. What do you think? No, it's great. I'm excited to to have them as a sponsor. And the first thing they brought to us is, and that we were going to talk about was hair loss. And I remember when you brought that to, to me, I was like, oh, man, sure it is, right? <laughs> and um, I won't, I won't, I won't you know me, man, I, won't, I can't talk about anything that. unless I've seen both sides of yeah. it. So I've previously been hit by lightning. So I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> of course you had. All right. So I kind of did the Bell Gibson and what women want thing and <laughs> sat back and. I just kind of took the ego out of it and thought about Morgan and I first coming in as twins and being born early and, and, and starting to work out and then taking all the supplements and everything we could get our hands on, uh, if it worked or not, to make us grow. All our lives, through growing up, high school, college, even in the SEAL teams, we took supplements, we did everything we could to, if there was a, a defect our, or yeah. a deficiency in something, even well, with we're vitamins. We're still doing it. We're still taking still it. Still this very day. Like so I, once I started thinking about it like that, like, man, if I, if I had the hair loss problem, I would immediately do go 
trying to get it fixed. That's the solution. Solution, right. And a scientific one. Right. Fix it and let's go. Well, Wizard, talk exactly. a little bit about how scientifically fi- effective and efficient this stuff is. Well, the stat on this, I think that's most interesting, is 60%, 66% of men start losing their hair by 35. So what Four Hymns is going to help you do is going to help you keep your hair. And the way they do it, it's already a proven method, and it's, it's, it's very convenient. So they're taking you know, well-known genetic equivalents to name brand prescriptions, and they're sending it to you. So this stuff is already proven. And the other aspect is you don't have to go to the doctor's office. There's not going to be a waiting room. You're not going to have to pay all that, and you're going to save time. And uh, you know, being proactive about something that's really concerning you. I dig it. Well, man, listen up. Our listeners right now get a trial month for hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. Just go to their website at forhims.com and start filling out all the questionnaire. You'll be assigned a doctor. And within a few easy steps, you're going to get the prescription and the products will be delivered right to your door. Again, all you got to do is go to forhims.com and forward slash our promo code, which is TNQP. That's forhims.com forward slash TNQP and start combating the hair loss insurgency today. All right. You can also follow us on social media. Marcus is at Marcus Luttrell. I'm at Team Frog Logic. And the wizard, thank God, is out there doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. We're not the sure wizard what TNQ. that thing it is. And it's at the it's Wizard TAQ. It is a thing. We're not sure what that thing is, but it is a thing. That's why so Always. many people listen to it. <laughs> Give us a little lowdown, if you would, for Travis, please. Absolutely. We've got Travis Mills coming on, a man who grew up in Vassar, Michigan. He is a retired United States Army Staff Sergeant with the 82nd Airborne. He has a recalibrated warrior, a motivational speaker, actor, author, and advocate for veterans and amputees. As far as military service, we'll just go with his injury. He was on his third deployment to Afghanistan with the 82nd Airborne when he set his pack down on an IED, an an immediate explosion, which was, it's incredible that it was not uh, lethal for him. He became one of only five quadruple amputees from the Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts to survive his injuries. Um, at the time, he had a wife and daughter back home. He, he suffered through 14 hours of initial surgery, um, nine doctors, 30 blood transfusions. Oh. This was in the initial rounds of surgeries. He eventually wakes up in Germany on his birthday and has to go through the process of Happy coming birthday. to terms with his new condition. Since An emotional nuclear I, bomb? Right, you can't even imagine. But... What came out of this was someone who is intensely, um, intensely positive, positive, a a true force for motivating and just doing good for fellow veterans. Others have gone through situations like that. It's almost like waking up in another body. Right? Whole nother, yeah, whole mentality though, too. That's the only, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, that part of him that was left, he he had to shift that because when he woke up, man, everybody had replaced everything else. Damn. It's truly one of those you can't understand without going through it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, what comes out of this most notably is probably his foundation, a nonprofit organization formed to benefit and assist combat injured veterans. The highlight, one of the highlights of which is the retreat that they formed from, through donations, they were able to acquire the old Elizabeth Arden estate uh, up in Maine. And they've transformed this into a location. This is in the Belgrade 
Lakes region of Maine. A location for veteran families who have been injured in active duty or as a result of their service to the nation, and they receive an all-inclusive, all-expenses-paid, barrier-free vacation. They've got the list of activities is rather incredible. It's somewhere around like 50, probably. But the yoga, archery, kayaking, canoeing, boating, fly fishing, bass fishing. They've got a ropes course that was uh, part of, we're talking to Mike Rowe, that, uh, that they installed up there. He is also a Gary Sinise Foundation ambassador. He received a home from his from the Sinise Foundation in 2014. He does a lot of days on the road as a speaker. He's very, uh, and quite the speaker he is. He's very entertaining. I mean, he's a funny guy. His book, Tough As They Come, is a New York Times bestseller. He also was involved in a documentary movie titled Travis, A Soldier's Story, which looks at his life and uh, him coming through and the metamorphosis through this process. This is just, um, it speaks for himself that this is going to be a deeply intriguing interview, I think. Amen. What do you say, gents? Let's yeah, bring yeah. Travis on. Let's get it. Marcus, it's rare that I get on and I introduce a human being of this magnitude. A human being that stands out amongst the crowd of people not really standing out. This guy, I'm telling you, when I first saw him several years ago, I was in awe because I know had I been in his situation, I would have sat down and started crying like a little baby. But he has risen to the occasion every single time, gotten back up on his feet, strapped on his arms and gotten out there and kicked ass in life. That is the type of human being that absolutely, hands down, no doubt, has the never quit mentality. And we finally, with the help of Mike Rowe, got him on the show, brother. Oh, thanks, Mike. Right? Let me tell you something. When I, when I, uh, when I first met him, it was back in the day, right? So he's still trying to get used to the And the way he was moving around. And you know my... I'm, I guess enamored is the best word because totally. how weak I was growing up, I automatically assumed I was going to be bionic by the time I got old. And I, <laughs> when I saw him kind of clamoring around a little bit, I, in my head, I shot forward in that same position, me and him in 20 years, but him, you wouldn't even know that that was a problem. Because he's, oh, he's the first in how, you remember the movie RoboCop? It had to be a special guy that happened to, to be able to do all that, to put all that together, to survive all that all that and push forward and make something Absolutely. That's, what, that's what he Amen. is to me, man. I mean, if you see him walking around and moving around, it's, it's amazing. 20 years from now, he's going to, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. Oh, he's going to be the bionic <laughs> man. I'm the, telling you, he's, he's going to be the real than deal. Else with that, that particular situation. But man. what I love most about him is the fact that he has the biggest heart in the world and he's out there. He's built a retreat up in Maine. He's yeah, bringing again, dudes out there. You can't pick the guy that, that was cho- the guy has to be chosen by the situation. By the Lord, man. Right? Hands he down. He could have just not done any of that. And, and just sat but there I, back. I remember when he started his foundation and then I heard about it and then one day I saw a sign about it. I was like, <laughs> wow, you know. Wait, this is freaking, when you see it in the airports, like you're going to the airport, right? right? <laughs> like waiting there an hour trying to get your luggage. He's something, man. I'm I'm excited to have him on here. Let's let's let's, let's get him on. Luggage. Well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the one, the only, Travis Mills, brother. How you doing? 
And, you know, I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. You guys said such nice things about me. I'm going to take that recording and show my wife that people do like me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's impressive. It is. No, uh, no, I'm excited to be here. Really grateful for you guys to have me on. Um, you know, I had a curveball thrown my way, and I had to adapt and overcome. And, and I've just found a way to bounce back and, and make life as positive as possible. And, and my wife's a big part of that and my children. So, so no, we're, I'm excited to be here. And, awesome. Uh, thanks for helping us out. Well, the one thing that I know for sure after going back and watching most of your videos out there in preparation for this is you're certainly going to bring uh, uh, the type of humor that we love on the show. So please don't hesitate to fire for effect on, out here with us. <laughs> Absolutely. You got it. Awesome. All right. Before we get into the nuts and the bolts of, of, of the whole show and why people actually come, because they don't, they don't generally come to hear Marcus and I banter, but maybe with you here, it might, <laughs> it might help us out. So what we do is we got to do the mad minute. We got to get you warmed up. We got to develop some rapport. We got to get that fr prefrontal cortex and that great haircut on fire right now. All right. Okay. So, so the, what we're going to do is we're going to free fire the most difficult questions you've ever had thrown at you in your tired life. So Sergeant, are you ready? I'm, oh, I'm, I'm ready. And it's a win it. Nice. All right, Marcus, fire away. All right, bro. <clears throat> Excuse me. Morning. It's still in the morning. <laughs> we were talking about we get like a broken airplane <laughs> trying to get moving in the morning. Hold on, that's that. <laughs> we're getting old, dude. We're getting old. Yeah, I'm gonna complain about my knees hurting and my elbows hurting, but uh, Travis Mills is on the phone. So, uh, <laughs> so shut up. Lock it up. <laughs> All right, bro. If you had a boat, what would you name it? A boat? Yeah, if you had a if you had a boat, what would you name it? I guess the Chloe Lynn because it's my my daughter's name. I don't know. Nice. Oh, that's really nice. good. That's, that's that's right. That's so easy. If you you'd got a name it too. something crude, wouldn't well, you? I, I just got I just got off the. Well, of course. <laughs> I just got off the coast, man, and it's amazing when people name their boats. It, it's insane. Mm -hmm. it's like, like my big vessel or something? Is that yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Big red vessel. <laughs> big red vessel. <laughs> the salty semen. <laughs> oh, got a barnacle. All right. Which would you rather not have, narcolepsy or insomnia? Ooh. I'd rather not have insomnia. I like sleeping. I mean, it's, it's comfortable to fall asleep, you know. And I, and I tell you what, I, I think insomnia would be worse to stay up all the time. But there is Netflix out there. This is... Quite the conundrum you put me in. <laughs> yeah, not only Netflix, man, but the, the everything with it goes Hulu, with the, Hulu, Apple TV. Apple TV. I mean, we we could literally be up for days now. Or, I don't know, man. I, randomly falling asleep sounds dangerous to me. Just being in full sense and be like, Travis, man, how's it going? Boom. <laughs> like, oh, it's time yeah. for his nap. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Then we that's when you get dicks drawn on your face too. So it's oh, probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess. Be the best. Right. No, no, no. Great point. <laughs> great point, man. Oh, with you our friends. You don't want to pass out around no, our friends. No, yeah, with our friends. No way, dude. Why do no you got way. that marker? Because in about 10 minutes, I know you're going down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been working on oh, my yeah. penis drawings yeah, yeah, for yeah, weeks now. Practicing, buddy. They're actually all over your back. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. If if you could go back in time and sit down with any great figure or any person, whoever, in history and have a couple beers with, who would it be? 
Probably Jesse James. I, I just something about the Western and like he, you know, that means a bank robber. He's a bad guy, but he also gave back to the community. I just like to just pick his brain. He's always fascinated me. That is an awesome, awesome answer. What would you ask him? Uh, I don't know how to get away with it. Just tell me the best stories about the robberies he did. I don't know. I mean, I get it. Robbing's not cool, but at the same time, like, <laughs> you, you know, when you watch like if you watch the the um, the movie. Um, American Outlaw. Yeah. And, um, right. Scott can Scott can uh, can yeah. Scott and them. You know, it's uh you know, the railroad came in and killed his mom and I'm not sure if that that's probably drama, but at the same time, like it's pretty cool. No, I, I, I love was, that answer. Yeah, there's some I watched was watching something on the Indian Wars the other day and then went into the gunfighters and Jesse and his brothers in the beginning, man, after the war when they yep. come back in the beginning, they got pushed into that. I used to say, How do you get pushed into robbing from the rich people? Back then, it was different until yep. one of the younger boys, I, I think, uh, killed somebody, shot somebody. They were a little inebriated yep. in the bank, and that's when it went from he was the Robin Hood to he was just the hood. The outlaw. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great movie. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jesse James as well, too. All right. Marcus, fire away. Favorite superhero. Oh. I mean, that's probably Superman, you know? That's nice. What I grew up Thank you. Stuff. Thank you, Travis. All-American Superman. Thank yeah. you. I used to, you know, as a kid, my favorite ice cream was Superman ice cream. You know, the all-colors swirl yep. down there? Yeah, that's right. It was only Superman. I don't even think I liked the flavor of the ice cream. I think I had more like chocolate chip cookie dough or something, but it was because it was Superman. I felt powerful. Superman underoos, oh, Superman underoos. t-shirt. Epic. Three-pack had the Flash, Superman, and the Hulk in it. <laughs> Do you still wear them? Oh, I got kids now. Um, <laughs> they don't make them in my size. <laughs> I don't think. I'm checking. Yeah, I mean, they got you know, you, you know, moms like to dress like with their you know their daughters. Is they it? Ask them where their underwear. So. Yeah, what's exactly. Up? Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. I love. I do it. have a Spider Man onesie. You do, yeah, for Christmas. You know, whatever. Let's keep going. Let's move, let's, let's, let's move on. Travis, right. do you have a pet? Do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? Fish? I have two dogs. You have two dogs. All right. Would you rather have a conversation with your dogs in English, or speak any language on Earth instantly? Oh, talk my dog. My uh, I have two dogs. One of them is my daughter's. He's okay, but I have one uh -huh. dog that's ten years old. Name's Buddy, my best friend. Uh -huh. And I would love just to have a conversation with him, except I don't know. There's some things he's probably seeing. He probably I wouldn't want to talk about with him. <laughs> but, what, <laughs> what do you no. think he would ask you? <laughs> what, what do you think he would want to know? I don't know. Uh, you know, I just hey man, what's up? How's it been these last ten years? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's such a great dog. You know, everybody's like Travis, you got a service dog, and I'm like, no, you should get one. I'm like, I have a dog. You know, and they're like, well, yeah, but you need a dog that listens. I never understand that because I'm like, my dog listens just fine. When I say, buddy, sit when you want, he eventually sits down. <laughs> you know? If you got time, you should sit down. Yeah, We're, yeah, I'm going to be here a while. You know, matter of fact, he kept running off. We live on 20 acres that butts up 2,000 acres of state land. And he'd smell stuff in the woods and just take off. So I put an invisible fence in, you know what I mean? Because when I would call him, he'd just look at me like, like you're going to chase me with no legs and arms. <laughs> but now, now he gets zapped if he tries to leave. So it's beautiful. beautiful. Oh, God, I love electricity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, Rick, uh, you know, with Rigby, I, I do have a service K9. He's retired now. But when I first got him, I mean, and I told them too. When I look at Rick, there was a time after a couple of surgeries. I'm pretty sure it happened. The TV was on. There was a movie with Christopher Walken. Well, Rigby was staring at me with that look, like he wanted something. 
And like I said, it was after a surgery, so there might have been some. Might have been some little, some, yeah. little bit in there. Yep. And uh, so ever since then, if I if Rigby would ever be able to talk to me, it would be in Christopher Walken's voice. <laughs> and uh, uh, is that is that on the table? If my dog could talk like anybody, who would I, I'd want Christopher Walken? I think that. Right. Right. I know. Right? I mean, it's it's perfect. I'd want Howard Cosell. Yeah, right. <laughs> Travis. <laughs> Travis Mills, what <laughs> are you doing with my food? Like the, I have to <laughs> shit. Yeah. All right, all right. Whose turn is it? My turn? Your turn. All right, all right, here you go. What was something that happened in high school, one of the greatest kind of hilarious moments that you didn't get busted for? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I was the guy that told everything that happened. I was the one that went and told everybody because I thought it was funny. And people <laughs> say, why did you even... Why would you tell me that? You know, <laughs> I, uh, I I copied my report card one time and changed my grades, but I nice. made my brother do it too. I kept his grades the same because he's a kiss ass, but <laughs> I took mine and then I kept it folded up in my council in my car and I was driving in the summertime. My mom was going through my council. I don't know what she was looking for and she opens it up and she says, what's this? And I grab it and out of her hand, I threw out the window, you know, right and out. Then I, told her what, I told her what it was eventually. And instead of getting in trouble, she's like, you're the only one screwing up your own life. So if you don't want to do good, I'm like, oh, that was, I should just. Probably report card home, I guess. Oh my but, god, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Mom logic. Mom logic, right? All right, Marcus, fire away. Last question. All right, brother. <clears throat> uh, what's your weirdest pet peeve? Weirdest pet peeve. You know what? I hate when people talk on their cell phone on speaker in a public area. Oh. No offense, if you guys do that. No, I was in no. the bathroom. I was just coming back. I went to LA yesterday or two days ago, and I come back. And uh, but anyway, on the way out there, this guy walks in the bathroom. On his cell phone, trying to yell over every, all the noise of the flushing and the peeing, and I looked at you know, I was like, "Are you are you kidding me right now? Like, why? Don't, I don't want to be part of your conversation." And then on the way back yesterday, my wife Facetimed my mother in law because my mother in law and father are watching my kids, and she Facetimes her sitting at the airport. And she's talking, and then they're just she's not looking at the kid in the morning. They're just talking. I look at her and said, "Get off your! What are you doing?" <laughs> she said, "Well, hey mom, Travis says I have to go. I'm on, I'm on speaker. I got to call you back on the phone." And I was like, "That's like the work. Like, I don't want to like." I'm your husband, and I don't want to be a part of your conversation with your mom about this. Like, get off the phone. I'm how, sorry. Is that, how, about, is no, that, how about when people do it on the plane next to you? Um, <laughs> dude, do you remember back in the day when cell phones first came out? When he were, if you walk into a public bathroom, you're sitting in there, and all of a sudden he's like, hey, you're like, dude, you're not supposed to talk to me while we're in this. <laughs> What's been going on? You're Just like, having a full conversation what? in the bathroom. Nothing, man. All right. And then eventually the guy's like, I'm not talking to you, dude. You know, I'm like, he's a little weird. Wait, when you go, you guys don't talk at the urinal. I always walk up to the urinal and say, how's the water temp today? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? <laughs> gotta break the ice. I mean, oh, it's cold. Yeah, nice watch, buddy. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they got nice yeah, bathrooms in here. Oh, oh hey, bud. Hey. <laughs> Been a long day for you. All right. Here we go. Come from that, is, cold, huh? that was the mad <laughs> wizard. What's our time on that one? I think that's uh, the longest one ever. That was uh, seven minutes and 52 seconds. All right. Seven minutes, 52 seconds. Thank you for the mad seven minutes. We appreciate that, but. Let's get serious. The reason why people actually come to this show is is not for our humor, obviously, but it's for the incredible stories that our guests share with them in the hopes that 
uh, they can find some amazing uh, pearls of wisdom that can help them as they're in the fight of their life, as as they're feeling the effects of, of their hardship, of their in, insurgency, something that can just light that fire in their gut to get back out there and, and to never quit. So, Travis, without further ado, would you please share your greatest never quit story or stories? Well, absolutely. I'll give a little bit of background, and uh, I do appreciate you having me on. I know we're having some fun, tell some jokes, and I'll have a lot more to come probably, I would imagine. <laughs> but um, in 2012, on my third deployment, I was on a patrol, and we came to a short halt. took my backpack off, about 120 pounds. I was a weapon squad leader, so I was in charge of the big 240 right. Bravo uh, weapons. And um, they, were, they were gunning for us, I guess, because we were we were racking them up pretty good. Um, when our where teams where were you, Travis? I'm sorry. No, we're, yeah, you're good. We were in Afghanistan in Maywan, uh, the mm-hmm. Maywan area outside of Gorak and near Helmand. Kind yeah, of. which um, is lovely. Think about buying some real estate Beautiful there. place. Beautiful yeah. in the spring. And, yeah. I, uh, I took my backpack off after we cleared the ground, not once but twice, actually. So one of my guys had a mind sweeper. He went down once and then came back the same way up and down the berm. And I took my backpack on the ground, and then when the, the bag hit the ground, the bomb went off, and it ripped off my uh, right arm and right leg automatically. They never found those pieces. They actually disintegrated. Um, my left leg snapped through the bone, and I got thrown on the left side of my face. So when I rolled over on my back, uh, my right arm and right leg were gone. Uh, my left leg was dangling. If you can imagine your ankle bone touching your left thigh, uh. that's what was going on. And then my left hand was actually uh, blown out at the wrist pretty bad, but I still had my thumb, index, and, and middle. And my pinky ring finger were mangled up. They just crushed and mangled. So my medic, uh, Dan Bateson, comes up to me to work on me. And I looked at him and said, hey, don't worry about it. You're not going to save me. Go fix my guys. I mean, I wasn't trying to play a hero, but I've seen a lot of guys go for a lot less overseas. So mm-hmm. I thought, there's just no way you're going to fix this. Um, and he like told me to let me do my job. And in my head, I just kept telling myself, uh, don't be the medic from Saving Private Ryan. Uh, right. You know, when he gets shot, he yells for his mom. He shows fear. Uh, I'm not being cocky or overly confident when I tell you I was the first in the firefight, last out, and I never show any fear because you had to exude confidence, and I was the third highest ranking uh, position on that deployment. Hey, man, no, I'm good. Just give me a Band-Aid and go check on the other guys. <laughs> yeah. well, I hey, just, we're medics, I bro, me. so uh, that's hardcore. That is hardcore. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. they, you know, he got mad at me. He said, let me do my job. So when they were working on me, him and my platoon sergeant could turn the kits out within 20 seconds. As they were working on me, I reached up with what was left in my left hand to my trucker mic on my shoulder. And I hit the you know the the speaker or the button and I said, Hey six, this is four. I called my LT and I said, I need your medic with mine, I got guys injured. So our medic that was with him, Doc Voice, ran over and worked on Ryan and Brandon, the other two guys that were injured. When he got them bandaged up, the best of his ability came, worked on me, and they had to get a sternum IV in me, which is the worst pain I felt out of the whole thing. Oh yeah, a fast <laughs> was it a fast? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, boom. Right oh man. Hey, bro, I've had two a couple of those myself. They uh, suck. Oh, yeah, they're right. horrible. They work, like, man. Uh, Great though. Yeah, yeah. And then so they, oh they yeah, it did. It did. And uh they got me on a helicopter. Finally, when they got me on a helicopter, I kept me out in the flight medic because one of my guys was yelling out in pain, which he had every right to. I mean, he was injured. And I yelled at the flight medic, take his helmet off, and I finally said, Take your helmet off. I might I might have said some more choice words than that and I said, Give my guys water. <laughs> And tell me they're going to be fine. He told me they were going to be okay. And then I landed and I went into surgery for 14 hours. And the first thing when they got me to the operating table, they kept trying to like work on me. They kept telling me, quit touching me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. And I got back to my guys. I kept trying to sit up. And I said, I got my feet back underneath me. And they said, look, Sergeant Mills, I don't know how you're still awake. You need to go to sleep right now. So they knocked me out. And when they knocked me out, they uh, started to undress me. And uh, when they took my pants off, 
my left leg came with it. So I was oh, wow. This is April 10th. Um, two days later, I guess, well, 14 hours surgery, nine doctors and seven nurses actually worked on me. Wow. And two nurses for nine hours pumped air out of my lungs. Um, I had over 30 blood transfusions, and they had to have wow. people race to donate blood to me, actually. Wow. They had uh, a positive universal. They ran out in the blood bank. It was a pretty bad day in Afghanistan that day. So they had people right from their veins to mine. But anyway, um, they worked on me. And then they got me stable. My brother-in-law came in because he was stationed in Afghanistan as well. They worked real close. And then we went to uh, Bagram. They cut my left hand off on April 12th because my, my skin had died. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do anything with it. So they wanted to keep limb length. So they, I gave him the fourth out of the five uh, that are left, you know, that made it. Right. Crumple amputation. And then um, two days later, they woke me up for the first time actually in, um, in Launchville, Germany. And they woke me up. My first thing that I said was my soldiers are my soldiers. And then my brother-in-law was in the room, so he told me. He's a medic as well, or was. He's, he's in civil affairs now. Mm-hmm. And then I said, um, am I paralyzed? And he said, no. And I looked at him and said, you don't got to lie to me, Josh. I can't my fingers and toes, so am I paralyzed? And he said, you're not paralyzed, buddy, but you don't have them anymore. Wow. And that is I spent my 25th birthday because April 14th was oh, my 25th birthday. Oh, my gosh, Travis. Yeah. Holy I, uh, shit. Did you, did you have a frame of – did you – no, it was your birthday. Did you have any frame of reference how long you'd been out or anything? Well, I uh, I actually I was pretty embarrassed and upset, and I didn't want anybody to talk to me. I didn't know why um, I was still alive, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I didn't want death, but I, I was wondering, well, how is this better than dying, having no arms and legs? So when they said, hey, you got to call your wife and you got to call your, your parents, I was just like, I'm not calling anybody. And then doctors and nurses kept coming in for about three hours, and I kept just ignoring them. I just look off away from them, and I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And then finally, my brother-in-law was like, "You got to call, your, you know, Kelsey, and you got to call your parents." So I called my wife, and when she answered, I said, "Hey, what's up? I'm fine. Love you, bye." And then when my parents answered the same thing, but before my mom hung out, uh, hung up, my dad hung, you know, before they hung up, the phone, my mom said, "Hey, happy birthday!" And that's when it dawned on me, "Oh shit!" Oh my gosh! And um, you know. It, there was only one more phone call I made. I told my brother-in-law to call my unit back in Afghanistan. Uh, we found out that we were in a small triangle shapes, no running water, no bathroom, yep. you know, mm. burn, burn stuff and eating MREs. But, you know, we had this, the phone. Line Good times. So I, I, I called them and, um, you know, I didn't want them to feel down or depressed. Uh, every time we got in a firefighter, I'd come back singing. I'd always sing like eight second songs and things nice. that were annoying, but they couldn't tell me shut up because I'd ruin their life. Right. And, uh, you know, because I outranked them. So I, gave my <laughs> so I gave them a call, but I had I would never show them anything I was feeling internally. So I sang through the phone. I told them I was going to be fine. Great work, guys. Uh, and I told them I'd be there when I when I got my uh, arms and legs. When they got back in August, I'd be there. So that was all happy. Your sunshine and rainbow. I just faked the funk. And then I saw my wife on the 17th of April. And that was actually, we got married at the courthouse behind everybody's back. It was a big secret. Right. We had a big wedding in June. Um, which was actually last Thursday was our 10 year anniversary, but oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. When I saw her though, she had to sign a paper to cut my right leg up higher. And then the next day I told her she should take everything we have, the house, North Carolina, the cars, uh, any money that we had was all hers. And financially I'd fund whatever I needed to, to help her sustain her life and our daughter who was six months old. And, um, she's like, that's not how this works. Um, you know, she said, I really want that handicap parking. So I'm going to stick around. It is nice, It is nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you got kids yeah. and, you know. That's a hell of a lady, man. Oh. You know, she's kind of thinking about herself. to walk away from. Right. But, I uh, mean, and your parents, look, man, I, that's, you know, I was thinking about that. You got that call on your birthday, but your parents got the call on your birthday that you were alive. 
Yeah. Well, and they were they were strong. They were being strong for me. My dad actually. Uh, see, I'm his favorite uh, kid. My mom's favorite kid too. Out of the three of us, um, I'm number one. Understandably, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first one they had was my sister, and they were like, "Oh crap, we didn't want a girl." Right. <laughs> then, you know, then they had me, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, perfection! Let's try right. this again and see if we can duplicate." And then they have my brother, and his name's Daisy. Uh, for whoops, the Daisy, not what we thought. Accident, right? <laughs> yeah, coming in last minute. Yeah, yeah, but uh, maybe no. somebody had to clean the house and and do all yeah, of your laundry yeah. and stuff. I get Someone, it. You know. Polish all my trophies right. for me and everything yeah, yeah. like that. <laughs> but uh, my um, my my dad actually got so dehydrated and he was so sick to, about it. He actually had diverticulitis. They took him in for emergency surgery. and almost died. They no way. Everything for like six months. Yeah. Oh well, my yeah, gosh. Like, oh my gosh, my favorite child. <laughs> you know, my, you know. That's so. heavy. Oh, but how, how yeah, did your? Yeah, because that's how that diverticulitis sucks. How did your? Oh, it's horrible. How did your wife react after when you just got on and hung up? Can you describe some of the things that she told you later on as she was smashing you in the head, calling you a yeah, jackass? Uh, well, you know, she actually um, she kept a journal, and I, I have a book out. It's uh, it's called Tough as They Come, and which is awesome, by yeah, the way. It is. Good job. Made, made the New York Times bestsellers, which I'm proud of. I mean, it's not long survivor. Congratulations. It's it's awesome, Travis. It really is amazing. You, you and I are similar in our writing form. We we, we go out and, and abuse ourselves, come back and tell the story. <laughs> yeah. Best part about the story are the other guys. Their, their stories are phenomenal. Yeah. We're just there getting our asses kicked. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, and my wife she kept a journal, so so she wrote down what she was feeling, and she she like took notes of like Travis ate this today, or Travis was able to say this today, and um. When I got to the hospital, I mean, I, I told her to leave. I was pretty embarrassed that I was even injured. You know, I was never supposed to have that. I was supposed to be a 20-year guy, get out high school teacher, football coach. Yep. But, um, but she was there for me, you know. And then I had to go into a medically induced coma with uh, ketamine. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar oh, with ketamine. Special K. But, the special oh, yeah. K, baby. So I had such bad pain from nerve endings and burning and everything like that. I felt like my feet were on fire and my, rip, my uh, hands getting ripped off. And just this awful stuff that they put me in a special induced coma where it they gave me 600 milligrams in like an hour for five days straight. I was only second oh person they should ever have it in 30th in the world. What? And they were like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then I did that, and it's made to reset my brain yep. to think uh. where my arms and legs end. Like now here is where they end. Yep. And um, and it totally huh. worked, actually. But there was like, there was a lot of hallucinations, like 10 days of it. But uh, I don't know. My daughter was like my biggest reason for getting better and my wife. You know, I had a six-month-old when I got injured, and. You know, I was still her dad, so she'd come, and we'd roll a ball back and forth, and we'd play a little bit, and uh, I realized, you know, I, I can't close my eyes and, and change what happened as much as I tried for the first couple months. Right. Um, so I might as well just get better. So then then my recovery started where it was physical therapy four hours a day. I mean, it led up to four hours a day, and occupational therapy four hours a day. It was eight hours a day total of recovery, 40 hours a week, as much as I could get in. And, um, you know, I met some really great people, but while I was in my recovery in the beginning, I had a guy walk into my room and he's from Missouri. His name's Todd Nicely. And he's the second ever quadruple amputee. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, Hey man, you're going to be fine. You're going to drive. You're going to walk. You're going to feed yourself, dress yourself, go to the bathroom by yourself, take a shower, all that. It just takes time. He said, but I'm Todd. I'm from Missouri. I flew in just to tell you that I live in Missouri. You know, I, I do everything independently and wow. you're the best one for you. Hmm. So then I started to meet everybody in their rooms. Um, just like he did for me, I met everybody in their rooms and hung out. And uh, what was kind of what, what was tra- Travis? I'm sorry to jump in, but that no, must that must have been really kind of an overwhelming thing to be able to because I and 
correct me if I'm wrong, you're in such a unique place, right? I mean, other guys lost their legs or one leg or one arm, but you were really in a unique, and I, you know, the, I love in your trailer for your, the movie they made, you know, millions served in Afghanistan, thousands were injured, but only five were, were you know, quad amputees, and this is one man's story. I love that beginning. But so all of a sudden now someone walks in and it's a reflection of yourself. And so how profound were those words? And was that the thing that was like, did that become the driving force along with your, your daughter? You know, it really did because uh, when Todd walked into the room, um, I was to the point where I lost 110 pounds. I went from 250 wow. to one. I had 22 inch biceps. I mean, I was lifting weights a lot and I was, I was a big man, but, uh, you know, you go where I was so weak, I couldn't roll right, couldn't roll left, couldn't sit up by myself, couldn't feed myself anymore. And then you get someone walks in and he's like, hey, man, been there, done that, you know, got the certificate. But, you know, basically you're going to be OK. And then he's a Marine. So, you know, this guy, he's an idiot. Obviously, he's a Marine. they're dumb. You know, <laughs> like, this guy can do it. Obviously, an Army guy can do it. A second, too. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? That's like, What's up? you're like dumb. a nuclear physicist compared to a Marine. Well, I mean, the Marines don't have their own branch. They're just you guys. They're just the Navy. <laughs> Men's department. That's what they say. Men's department. Men's department. It doesn't say that in the door. It just says you guys aren't your own branch. You guys fall into the Navy. <laughs> oh, that's but harsh. either way, no, uh, it was it was really, it was refreshing to know someone been there. And then I just realized if he can do it, anybody, you know, if anybody can do this, like, uh, or get better, then I, I should be able to as well. And, you know, I, I just took it full force. I, I went to as much as I could. The worst part of my recovery is the weekends. I hated not being able to do anything. When did, obviously, you humor is a massive part of who you are, and I'm sure it was there long before your injury. When did it, you discover, all right, you know, this sarcasm, this banter, this wit is going to play a role in my personal recovery as well, too? Uh, because we, I know I'm that kind of way. Marcus is that way. You know, we are always trying to beat cracking the jokes and keep the mood light, even in, you know, when it's horrible. You know, when did you discover, hey, man, I'm going to use this now for me, too, in this recovery? You know, um, it happened quite early, actually. People were pretty um, disturbed, I guess, or when they would see me. Some people break down and tear up and cry. And, and I realized what they're doing is as much as I don't want to be a sob story or someone to pity me, I get why they do it. So why don't I try to break the ice with some humor, try to relax the tone and just make people feel comfortable. Um, also, my military training was always, you know, as a private, you know, work as hard as you can. As a, a sergeant, you work for the privates. And as a staff sergeant, like you're in charge of all those guys, morale and, you know, they eat first, right. they sleep long, right. they do more on, on deployments and stuff. I mean, they get the crap details and stuff like that. But they also, you know, as much as they work for you, you work for them. So I was, an old, you know, I was only 20, <laughs> 24. Um, 25 years old, but I was older for, um, uh, the Walter Reed hospital. A lot of guys are younger. Mm -hmm. So I went down there and would joke around with them and see how they're doing and make sure like they, they took their recovery seriously, make sure that they understood like there's still a purpose and direction for them. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, I, I was the therapist would say, Hey, I got this guy upstairs. He's my new patient. Can you go talk with him? And they give me his name and room number. And I'd walk in there and you know, when someone's full of despair and not knowing what the life's going to be, just like I was, I walk up and say, Hey, what's going on? I'm Travis. I have no arms and legs. And you know, this is, this is how we get by. And, uh, it just changed their whole mindset. So just grateful to be able to do it. And, um, it was kind of, it was therapeutic for me. Yeah. You know, just 
self-serving for me as well. Um, not in a selfish way, but made me feel better to be able to talk to people and help them cope with what's going on. Well, uh, the first thing that you, <clears throat> when they get hurt, when you come back, when you said you got hit, and I mean, right after the injury, people think that that's like you you got hit, you die. Actually, after you get hit and you realize you got hit, there's that moment of kind of clarity, and like, and you're still kind of alive. And then you start. It's funny once you mm-hmm. get to the hospitals when you really start to go downhill, right? And ultimately, it's not because you're at the hospitals because mm-hmm. the the time that's allotted. And uh, <clears throat> we use that that humor out out there to get through those horrible fights. Anyways, whatever it is, somebody will throw <laughs> out a joke or, or whatnot. And I remember when I got back, people would uh, approach and be like, man, it's because they don't know what to say. I mean. Yeah. It's, yep. it's just kind of shocking to, and they want to say anything that'll make kind of for you to know that they, they care. care about you. And, they, and I mean, I have people come up to me and be like, "Hey, man, that's a great story." What? That, what and <laughs> I remember in the You're beginning, like, nope, not I, really. I, I didn't say it out loud. I was like. <laughs> Great's not really the word I'd use, but uh, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And then when the guys get hurt and they come back, especially the guys that were in the coma and they wake up, if the first thing they hear out of their mouth is coming from someone like him or who's been hurt, and it's, all right, man, welcome to the club. You're terminated. You know, that positive whole attitude or don't worry about it. Just if you're upset, you can be, a, you know, that take time. You know, yeah, you take your time, but take your time, but always have that motivation just screaming at them because the, the guy who's hurt is going to be going through the, the the nine or seven whatever it is i can't yep. remember <clears throat> but um if everyone around him doesn't give an opportunity to for it to stick because I, I mean you think all that crap in your head all you want and as soon as somebody comes in and and agrees with it that's when it gets home stuck in there but if the whole time it's like no man you're fine don't worry about it it's gonna be good because the worst part about it is the burn and the nerve pain growing back Yep. Yep. I, uh, so it's, you know, being the first voice of reasoning, uh, like Todd was for me, like I had a story where I, I got out of the hospital, I was home for like seven, eight months, and then I had to go back and get some leg work done. And I wanted to challenge myself. So I jumped in my van and I, and I drove by myself 13 hours to Walter Reed. Wow. Checked in the hotel. Um, but then I went and dropped my legs off. And as I was there, a doctor, another therapist, and a nurse said, hey, we had a guy upstairs. He's not doing well. And we'd love for you to go talk to him, Travis, if you don't mind. I'm like, yeah, no problem. That's what they did before. It was first like, hey, can you see this guy upstairs? Can't tell you his name because of HIPAA. And then it was like, hey, we got PFC Johnson in room 41. Can you go see him? And uh, when I got there, I, I ran into some of my old friends and, and um, new therapists and stuff. and said, you got a guy you got to talk to. So I went up, and it was like an 11- or 12-year Marine. And he, was, he wasn't coping well. I went to the nurse's station and said, hey, I got to see this guy. And they said, he doesn't take visitors after 4 o'clock. I said, well, yeah, he does. <laughs> and uh, the nurses didn't know who I was. They had cycled out. But the one nurse looked up and goes, oh, my gosh, Travis, when did you get back in town? I said, literally 10 minutes ago. And then we um, went to his room. She knocked. Said, you have a visitor? He said, I don't take visitors. And he was, it wasn't very pleasant to be around at the time because what he was going through. Right. And I opened the door of my wheelchair. And I said, tonight you're going to. And I rolled in there. He's like, oh, my gosh, you lost two legs and one arm. And I said, Oh, no, buddy, this is fake, too. And I spun my hand in a circle. He goes, you got to be kidding me. all <laughs> four, you know? Yeah. And um, I said, and you're going to be fine. Like, honestly, you're going to be fine. And we talked for three hours. And you saw the, the anger in the, the, Train. the feeling of why this happened. You know, why would this be me? How's this supposed to be my life? Just kind of fade kind of fade away for a bit. What? And I said, tomorrow, when I get back, I'm taking on tour of the, the, the mats, the military, uh, military advanced training center, the gym. And I'm going to show you the guy's going to make your legs. I'm going to show you the lady's going to help you drive again. I'm going to show you the people that are going to work out with you and help you with everything. Well, I went back up to get him, and he went out of his room that day. First time he'd been out, he was out of, wow. uh, out of his room doing stuff. I met him with uh, 
a resident intern or something like that. And this guy was showing him around. I said, hey, you can go now. I got it. He goes, no, what are you talking about? I'm showing him around. I said, no, no, you're not going to give him the actual tour. That Like, I'm going to go. You can go now. And I dismissed this doctor. Like, you can go now. <laughs> you can go now, sir. And, and I, was so, I was so happy because this guy was a great guy. He just, he wasn't ready to, to see. He couldn't see the future he had because of what had happened in the present. So I introduced him to the therapist, show him the military advanced training center, show him the occupational therapy part, show him. I introduced him to, to Tammy Phipps, who is a driving instructor that teaches us guys how to drive. And then I uh, show him to the prosthetist and said, these guys are going to make your legs. And the greatest thing happened when I went in there, um, because this guy was going to be a 20 year Marine. When I went in there, my soldier who was with me on my first or my third deployment in a month and a half later, he got injured. He lost both legs. Wow. Above the knee. He, um, he stayed in the army, actually still works in the army. He was in there on his running legs, running, um, getting his stuff set up perfectly. I said, come over here, buddy. And I showed the Marine. I said, this is my soldier, John. And John was a soldier of mine and a great friend of mine. And he's running right now. He had the same injuries as you. And you saw a light bulb go off and it was just like, oh shit, if he can do it, I can do it. And just being there to open the door for them, um, has, has been truly tremendous. And now with the foundation we run up in Maine, it's about bringing the families in because I'm on the trips I went to. Out there um, with Walter Reed, um, I got to take my wife because I needed the non-medical assistant to help me, but a lot of guys didn't need that. And because the funding's for the service member, which is fine, I get that. Um, I thought there was a little bit of a void that we could fill at our foundation by bringing out the service member and showing them with their families how to do things. And Mike Rowe put a ropes course in, and we have waterfront for kayaking, canoeing, and it's just been truly tremendous. And kids cry when I leave because it's like Disney World. They don't want to leave. And, and you know, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> At the hospital, I was giving back. I got out, uh, wrote the book, did the documentary on Netflix, the toughest uh, Travis Soldier story, you know, and built this foundation over two years and created it. And now it's just, you know, we have our second week of families that got in last night. And wow. just so happy to give that back. We have 16 weeks this year, 128 families coming out. I kind of jumped around the stories, but, but you're right. I mean, just, you know, seeing somebody in the same situation, but not somebody that's bitter and angry, but someone that has found a way to cope deal and, and progress as really, you know, like Todd did with me, I hope has changed a lot of lives. Wow. No, you have brother. Trust me in the beginning when guys were getting hurt and we kind of joke about this too. I mean, if your leg got injured, your arm got injured, you'd have 50 surgeries to keep that thing on. Now guys are getting splinters in their knees. Like, Oh, you can take it and give me that leg. Travis got, I can't run with a damn. And he outrun my ass. And, and, and literally when the guys are getting hurt now, it's, it's, they're, it's almost like recycling back through boot camp with that. But you're, imagine joining up for the military the first time and you're, instead of your body armor, they're giving you that metal leg or metal yeah. arm and, and training you how to actually go through all that to get back on. It's pretty amazing what our country does in, in regards keeping the soldiers online and and having oh, yeah. a, a livable life afterwards. Travis, you ran right through a lot of stuff and all the way to the foundation, what you're doing to help people. And I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> and we want to get back to that, but I kind of want to backtrack because you becoming a mentor and inspiration has a source, you know, and I'm, that was a, that was a process I'm sure in developing that. And we talked to a lot of people and honestly, you're probably right. You may have gone through the most intense version of this, but going through injuries that change, you know, their life. And I'm sure it, it really creates um, a massive break in your self image and that has to be readjusted. And what I'm getting at is, can you talk to us a little more about the mental and emotional process of adjusting to who you were physically, the changes post injury and um, how you came through that with a more detail? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, 
the mental part's the worst part. The injuries are mm. done and over with. Uh, for six months, I couldn't look in the mirror. Um, I wouldn't want to look at myself, and not because I was the skeleton. You know, I lost 110 pounds, but just the arms and legs being gone. The you know, like I have scars all down my back now, which is fine. Right. But it, it was hard to cope with, and then the only thing that got me through it, I believe, is my, is really my daughter. I mean, and my wife. I mean, my wife's phenomenal. I, mean, I would never take anything away from her, that, but. Um, my upbringing was always my parents um, did everything they could for me. So when I had a rough day or whatever, mm-hmm. my, my daughter would be there to snuggle up with. Um, and it got to the point where she would strap into my wheelchair and we would go ride around. We'd go to the cafeteria and the, the lady at the cafeteria knew that Chloe would get grapes or she'd get a cookie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then before my daughter could even talk, she knew a little bit of sign language. My mother was a sign language interpreter. And then after that, we'd go over and visit the people upstairs and we'd go around. But, uh, you know, for me, I just had to buckle down and say, I'm this little girl's father. There's nothing I can do to change the fact I have no arms and legs. Um, I can't, you know, just sit here and wallow in the past. And I, I think, you know, you guys can agree um, with, with your backgrounds. I realized that my guys that didn't make it back home, that it'd be a selfish slap in the face if I gave up. Amen. Um, because for me, uh, you know, when I was at the hospital, I was watching on TV and five names flashed, and they, you know, Humvee hit a bomb in Afghanistan, and five names came up all dead in the truck. And I was like, man, wow, that sucks. And then um, it didn't even dawn on me because I was I was kind of doing something else, and they were talking about the war, and they flashed over to this. And it was actually one of my closest friends in the military that was in that truck. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was out of Fort Bliss at this time, but the other two, he was with me and our buddy Justin. And um, he left behind a four-year-old and, uh, and a wife. You know, and I was just like, man, that's just that's just tough. So, Christine and Sophia, who are here now without him, I, I feel like their sacrifice they made. His mom, I still talk to, and him ultimately, who you know paid the ultimate price. Like I didn't, I I paid some, sure, but I realized I didn't sacrifice everything. So why not give back? Why not push forward and just be the best person I can be? Because they're no longer here, and I'm sure they would give anything to have him. You know, in my situation, um, I mean, his mom tells me she'd give anything for just one more phone call yeah. with him. And, uh, I, you know, there's other friends like Tyler that I have and, and um, Brandon, uh, my last woman who died, and a couple others that I just realized, you know what? It's not over for me. My nation takes care of me. I have fake legs I walk with. I jump into my truck. I drive. This morning, I got back from L.A. last night. Okay, I'll tell you guys. I jumped in my truck this morning, or my van, actually, my wheelchair. I picked my daughter up, <laughs> came back home, took a shower, got dressed, jumped in my truck took her to gymnastics camp, and then I went and picked up lunch at the local market because as a bad dad, I forgot to pack a lunch for Dude, I had those bad dad moments too, man. It's terrible. <laughs> what I forget? Oh, food. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I went down to the, my, my, I own a marina, um, like a motel or a lodge, whatever, marina on, on a lake here in Maine. I went back down there, which, by the way, you guys should check out. Nice, here. definitely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I realize I live a fulfilling life and I'm able to do a lot of things, but, you know, I didn't pay everything. So to give up myself and to say I quit um, would, would be a selfish slap in the face to those that did actually pay the ultimate sacrifice and their families. I, I mean, I hold their families very, very uh, high up in my regard because, you know, they're the ones still here suffering, um, just like I am without them in, in the room or in, in, you know, in my company anymore. Amen. Travis, one of the really beautiful things that you've said so far was about the light going on, right? When you're able to help somebody come to that fruition of, wow, my life, I'm still alive. I still have opportunity. I'm still there. 
you've now taken that obviously it, it's such a, a component of of servitude that projects you forward and gives your life a sense of purpose but now you're actually giving that light for those people you were just talking about for little kids for their wives their spouses for everybody all together can you describe what that's like at the retreat now in in the magnitude with which you're delivering this incredible experience this incredible awakening Absolutely. I mean, there's uh, stories. There's people that go there that you would never know their injury or what they went through. Um, I mean, Marcus, kind of like you know, no, no offense. I mean, I, I know you went through hell and back and, and hell again. But but when you see you on the street, you seem like you're doing very well. You know, oh, I mean? I'm like, great. Yeah, greatest day of my I'm life like, every day, man. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Marcus and Trell. He's so. Does Morgan get jealous? Because I feel like he must be in your shadow, like my brothers and my. Let's not get into this. But either way, um, Morgan's the good-looking one. Crazy part about it is he's the older brother and actually the alpha. His seal career is hands above mine, man. It's epic. And then he got in a helicopter crash, and then I mean, it's just one thing after another. And then he got out. Now he's a cognitive neuroscientist. You know, so it's only a matter of what time. What happened to you, bro? What happened to you? I get beat up a lot. But he, he, um, it's only a matter of time. Because our whole life, everybody always called me Morgan. And I, I just automatically rogered up to that. And now he's kind of, people will recognize him as Marcus and call him. So he's getting a little dose of the medicine I had to grow up with. But he's steadily working his way up out into uh, amongst our people. So it won't, it'll only be a matter of time before he takes the yeah it takes the first the name back in. No, no, I, I get that absolutely. Mm. But jeez, uh, I got off on tangent. I forgot the question. The what question was, was, how awesome is it when the families all show up together? The awakening they go through, and and just the the strength that they get from coming to your retreat. You know, it's uh, it's phenomenal. Like I said, we have people you would never know their injury, but we had one guy that fell off a cliff and broke his back um, on a night patrol. And he came out, and we had the ropes course from Mike Rowe that he put in for his show, Return the Favor, there. And we convinced him, but everybody was cheering for him. I wasn't out there, but everybody was cheering for him to go up there. And he went up to the top. There's an automatic belay, 24-foot automatic belay, so you jump off and it slows you down. Right. And this, I mean, this dude's a big, burly Marine. I mean, beard down to here, just like, get at me. You know, I would not. I mean, I'd mess with him, but that's just who I am. But uh, <laughs> a lot of people on the street wouldn't. But he jumps uh, off. Hey, man, when you're not looking. And, uh, <laughs> He gets to the ground and he starts to cry and his daughter runs up and says, Daddy, you did it. You did it. And his little, you know, little girl. Give him a hug and he starts to cry a little bit. He goes, I have not been over um, the height of six feet tall on a ladder since I fell off that cliff. Uh, wow. I was never brave enough. That's awesome. And just the growth that he had from that. And then, um, honestly, if people want to read testimonials, we put some of them online at my website, travismills.org. But, you know, the wives still come out. They have like four kids and their husband's, you know, missing both legs and an arm. And they're like, this is the first time I've ever actually been on a vacation and was able to relax and uh, watch my husband with our kids interact and know that it's okay to just let my guard down. And we, we offer spas because Elizabeth Arden, who, you know, she built at Next 29. It's her oldest day. Yeah. She actually started like the Red Door Spas and things like that. So we offer massages and, you know, the wives are just so grateful. Or we have letters like, I've never seen my husband do this. Now we're back home and he's actually out kayaking because we don't just show them how to do things that are cool. We actually show them how to do things and give them an opportunity. Like we have one guy that had both hands messed up and both legs gone, and he didn't think he could shoot a bow and arrow. But right. we had archery, and these people came out, and they made a harness. And as they were shooting, they kept adjusting it and adjusting it. And after, I think, six hours of shooting with archery, 
They made a harness, stitched it all up for him, and now he's at home, like, actually doing archery in his backyard. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So we, we never wanted to show them, like, hey, look how cool you can do this stuff, like, but now you go home and do nothing. No, we're about integrating you with society, making sure you feel confident and comfortable in yourself and your abilities, and knowing that you can do this stuff at home with your family. Wow. Very cool. That is just incredible. Did you, I mean, the, you know, you wake up on your birthday with these, you know, really uh, life-changing injuries. Could you have dreamed in that moment, fast forward to where you are right now, the magnitude of the impact that you have had on so many human beings? No, I, you know, I, I couldn't. Um, no, when I woke up, I mean, I was pretty devastated, to be honest. I don't even talk, I don't get in that great detail of what I was thinking about going through my head and wondering why I lived and, and how is this better and stuff. But uh, but no, and then, and then seeing my family, I just knew I had to get better for them because if my wife was going to stay, I was not going to be a burden. You know, I, I do not want to have her be like, oh, I got to go help Travis do this or take care of Travis. That. I got 10 minutes a day that I kind of I kind of hate. And it's not even 10 minutes. It's more like three. Put my legs. I can't put my legs on myself. I'm fixing that. But right, right now, I need some legs on. But that's the most vulnerable. But I live in a world where I can take my wheelchair into my van, jump into the seat, drive with my hand or my, you know, my, my arm, mm -hmm. you know, and go anywhere I want to go. So if I didn't want to put my legs on, I could. Um, and then great news. My wife and I are very fortunate and blessed that 10 months ago we welcomed in our second child. Yeah, and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and isn't there something special about his name, too? Yeah, so his name is Dax, D-A-X, because my medic Daniel and the other medic Alexander that saved my life. I feel, you know what, they saved me so I could be here to have this child, my wife. I might as well honor them. So we named him Dax after him. Or Very after cool. Two, after Daniel. That is awesome, man. And in true military, um, 82nd Airborne guy fashion, I called up Alexander. He's stationed in Germany, or he was, now he's back, but he was in Germany. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he was hammered drunk. It was like 12 or 8 <laughs> with three of the other buddies that were on deployment with me. And I told him, he's all, that's ah, so great, man. His wife was the one that sent me, like, he's so honored. Thanks. And then I called <laughs> Daniel the same night, right after. <laughs> or I, I can't remember who I called first. And I called Daniel, and uh, him were drunk in his driveway at 1030 at night in North Carolina. <laughs> like, perfect. That's my guys. But, uh, no, they, they were very excited. <laughs> uh, Airborne. My wife says we're done now, and I believe her, actually. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, I... I Funny I, how the, the, the kind of power they have, right? Mm -hmm, hey, we're mm -hmm. done. Yep. Well, what does that really mean, you know? <laughs> you know what it yeah. means. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dang. That's what I'm talking Black about. Black cat story. Power. <laughs> Only a woman. So, Travis, uh, you recently uh, were awarded uh, an honor by Gary Sinise and the Gary Sinise. Can you... Can you tell us what it was like getting that honor? Because, I mean, Gary and his foundation have been doing such an overwhelmingly incredible work. You know, we had Michael Schlitz on before, and and yep. I just love Michael. He's one of my favorite human beings on the planet, and I know he's their ambassador. But what was it like getting that award? You know, it was, it was truly an honor. So Gary Sinise is not just like, the famous actor that is doing stuff for publicity. I mean, he's a, he's truly a friend, um, you know, and when he called me, uh, last year or last about six months ago, he said, Hey, Travis, I want to have you come back to our gala. I'd um, love to have you out in California. And Oh, by the way, I want to give you an award for doing more. Um, and I was, I was grateful to get the award. Um, but he's truly just a friend, you know, I mean, he, uh, he texts me 
yesterday. On the, that's where we came back from California. Was at the getting the award for doing more, right? And um, was you know thank you for coming and Kelsey and said he's gonna come back to Maine and visit. He, he's been to Maine a couple times and stayed the night um, at the house and stuff like that. But you know, I'm just grateful because just like um, you guys doing this podcast to give back. I mean, people believe in our mission. They understand that we're donation based. That they know that. My paycheck comes from my speaking. It doesn't come from the foundation. Right. I don't have anybody that's paid on the board at the foundation. I, I don't think um, that's something we want to, we ever want, you know, I know for a fact we're never going to be a paid board member. No, nobody on my board will. Right. But, um, you know, just, just to be honored by Gary Sneese and the work that he does, um, it, it makes me know that, you know, I found a niche market where we can be very successful giving back to these families and let them know like, hey, you know, we love you for it. Thanks for your sacrifice. And um, I can also be, you know, I go out there once or twice a week when they have families out there to let them know like life goes on. And not a lot of guys that come look like me. Some triples for sure, but right. a lot of single legs and double legs. So like if they're having a rough spot, they're like, oh, geez, you know, he's doing it with with uh, missing all four limbs. But uh, you know, just Gary's a great guy. I mean, just like Marcus is giving back and his wonderful wife. I mean, I got to meet them at uh, the GI Film Festival. As yeah, matter of fact, he's he's very <laughs> intimidating as a man because he's so big. I <laughs> He comes up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that's Marcus. And my wife's like, I know who that is. And then we get to talk to him. And then so I was like, hey, Marcus, we have questions over here. And he looks at this guy and he's like, hey, whoa, buddy, did you not see I'm talking? I'll be there when I'm ready. I'm like, you can say that to those people. You can say that. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, like, you got to do an interview. I'm like, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be right there. Thank you. And he's just like, yeah, did you not see me talking? <laughs> I Great. only did that because I was disres- they were disrespectful to you. I, well, we were trying to. T- I no, remember no, that yeah, very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were great. I wasn't. I don't mean you're a mean person. I'm sorry. I no, I, I, I am, no, I am mean. I, <laughs> I, didn't mean that. I didn't mean it like that, dude. I get an ass all the time. I'll be at an event, right? And I'll finish, and you know, I'm all excited. People are waiting for to talk to me after, and every one of them. So, what's it like doing a podcast with Marcus? He's like, it's horrible. It's torture. He's such an ass man it's brutal that's awesome man. that was All a right. good time man I mean, the difference between the forty-three thousand non-for-profits and mine and yours is we bring the families out there the boards yep. run a certain way the people who actually work in the foundation you want to pay them because i mean that's that's part oh, of yeah. it and they yeah. do a great job and and we have a uh, a product that gets put out and we know what works and we have the and it's streamlined and, it, and it's something that saved a lot of lives yeah. Well, and I mean, your foundation's doing great. I, I actually, uh, I read up on it, see how everything's going. My wife, I, I'm pretty sure she follows your your wife and you on Instagram. Oh yeah, all the wives. It doesn't matter in the wives club while you're in and the wives club while you're out. So yeah, Melly's <laughs> in contact with uh, everybody. I only have to be uh, intimidating because I, I have to watch out for her. <laughs> <laughs> so Travis, what if? So as we wrap it up here, what is something that you can tell? Our listener, that one listener that's struggling, that one listener that might be going through something like cancer or, you know, or they're a divorce or some some kind of challenge where they're looking at themselves and they can't look at themselves in the mirror either. What is something that you can tell them to get them back in the fight? Um, great question. I uh, like to tell people the two life lessons that I've actually learned from this. Um, it's kind of my, you know, besides having this perspective of, um, you're still here and your buddies aren't keep pushing forward. Um, and their families have sacrificed so much. And as well as the doctors and nurses that went in my recovery for 14 hours. Um, I tell them these two things. Number one, don't dwell on the past. Um, as much as I wanted to change what happened to me, I couldn't, I realized that about three, two or three weeks in. 
So instead of dwelling on the past and what happened, I just reminisce. I had 25 great years with arms and legs. And then I've had six wonderful years since my explosion. I had one bad day at work, case in the Mondays. But instead of, you know, reliving the past and thinking, what if it was different? Take that out. Reminisce what you had and keep pushing forward. And then the next thing I tell people is um, I learned in my military career very young and it helped me through my recovery was I cannot always control my situation, but I can always control my attitude. And nothing was more mm-hmm. apparent. We had a, on a second deployment, we had a big, you know, five hour mission. It's supposed to be quick and easy. Four or five Taliban guys trapped in the house. Well, it turned into a 36 hour mission. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Now, I mean, we almost lost a truck. We, you know, this truck broke. We were pushing, the, you know, this truck. Then anyway, uh, firefights ensued, throwing grenades and whatnot. It was fun. We're looking back, but it got to the point where you're so frustrated and pissed that you're going to laugh or cry. And, you know, hopefully you choose to laugh about it, which is what, what I did. But then um, mm. I just realized from that day on that I can always control my attitude, but the situations I can never always entirely control. So when I got injured, I came to that realization that, you know what, I can't make my arms and legs grow back. I can't make this, uh, you know, not happen, but I can make sure I have a good attitude and I go forward with it. So I was the guy in the mat seat. Um, at you know the workouts smiling and happy we had kesha fridays i'd go in there and put you know pandora kesha station on just just because. <laughs> and um you know I, I truly just am grateful to still be alive and around and, and now i have not only my daughter chloe and, and my beautiful wife kelsey but but our son dax to have look up to me and and i know there's gonna be some trying times i'm not overly enthused that i can't teach him how to throw a spiral um but you know just like playing fetch my dog he's going from work every night um, in North Carolina, go out back. And my wife, I had to give her a call before I got home because he would get so excited. She'd put him outside and I'd go out back. We had our, you know, fence in the backyard and I'd throw a ball. And, you know, in North Carolina, it's 110 degrees. Yeah. But, um, so like after 10 throws, he's done. But there's things that are going to come up that are going to suck. And just like me not being able to play fetch with him, I went and bought a pitching machine. So I can put the ball in the pitching machine, it'll throw it, he'll bring it back. So there's ways to adapt to everything. So if I can just say, number one, don't go on the past, reminisce what you had and keep pushing forward. And number two, no matter what the situation is, always control your attitude because that's what you are in charge of. And, and I guess that's my, my two gems that I have to drop on you guys if they, if they help. But I do appreciate that. Well, Great piece of advice. Absolutely. And uh, Travis, you know, I, you are – you know, you, you think about it, and, and I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams would ever wish any harm on any service member out there, but, man, God has blessed you with so much uh, from as a result of that, and the work you're doing is substantial. You're changing lives day in and day out, and, you know, God has definitely found a purpose for you, and I think you, you feel that yourself, and you're not going to have to teach your children how to be wonderful, upstanding, contributing members of society because they have such a profound example in your wife and you. And no, just thank, you you, thank you, man. Yourself, man. Yeah, thank you. Man, I, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Where, where can people go to the uh, foundation and donate, and where can people follow you online? I'll tell you what. So TravisMills.org has everything you're going to need. It has a foundation link, a uh, Facebook link. And, uh, you know, Mike Rowe is actually working with another Hudson Media to try to get a TV show based off of my Motel Marina. I think Duck Dynasty, but uh, <laughs> Travis Mills is Willie now. And <laughs> there's actually, if you go to SSG Travis Mills on Facebook, the first video that pops up after you scroll down, the first one you'll see me sitting in a lawn chair, that's actually uh, Mike Rowe introduces it. And um, there's a couple people interested in it. Like, I'm hoping TLC picks it up. If you guys know anybody at TLC, tell them. 
This is something you're going to want to do. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it is going to be one of the best shows that ever comes out, brother. Oh, and and I guarantee absolutely. I will watch it every single episode, I'm sure. And once you get it back up and going after uh, uh, maybe your first season, maybe you come back on and you can tell us your greatest never quit stories from TV. Oh, absolutely. And you guys want to ever go on the road and uh-huh. film. It's, we go, well, it's a bass fishing place. We'll go bass fishing. And broadcast out there. I was going to say, man, done. that's what we need to do is go yeah, out and do it. Done. Yeah. Absolutely. LakesideLogic.com. See what you guys think. But no, <laughs> everything's at TravisMills.org. On the Facebook, you can see that trailer and all the other work that we're doing. And, uh, yeah, you guys have been great. I appreciate your time. I truly um, am honored to just be, you know, uh, on your podcast. You guys crush it. And the whole, um, you know, never quit mentality that you guys push forward and, and help give back to everybody. It's just, I mean, you guys talk about how I'm inspiring. Obviously, you guys know you are, too. And not just to you. No, wizard behind the camera, too. I'm not forgetting you. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. You just made his month, brother. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. No, thank you for coming on. It's been, man, it's been an honor to have you. You can tell he's getting good at that now. Yeah, he is. He's awesome. I'm wizard. I didn't forget about you. (laughs) Special place in my heart now. Yeah. So when someone said, like, oh, it's been a blast. I'm like, yeah, I've been there in 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Well, normally, yeah, normally I'll come out with too many puns, but I, you know, the fact that you got all four gone, I thought I'd temper it back. <laughs> oh, you know, I tell jokes to really disarm the situation. You know, right. yeah, yeah, knee slappers. A couple of them, and then a couple yeah. of knee slappers. You know, I thought for sure that you guys, for my introduction, would be like, "What do you call a guy with no arms, no legs in the ocean?" Bob, Bob uh-huh. Orson, Matt on a wall. Art here today, Travis Mills. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to cut that and put that in the front now. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Travis, thank you so much, brother. God bless you and your family and all the people that are working with you and doing the amazing work you're doing. Thank you, brother. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate it. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Yeah, Take care, brother. Later, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. Marcus, there's, I mean, seriously, dude, there are people that come on and and ha- have blown me away. I mean, literally, and I use the pun because he said not right. to, or yeah, I had to in that one, right? And literally blown me away, but dude, Travis is, I mean, that's one unique cat right there, dude. I remember when he, uh, when he got hurt and traveling around in the airport, you just sitting around, people ask, always ask us questions right after they ask us questions. <laughs> hey, do you know, you know, don't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I would, the one continuous question. Yeah, right. Uh, I'd been asked about him a couple of times. Like, nah, man, we never met. And then I saw, I saw something. So I read up his, uh, after action mm-hmm. and what went down. And then through the world that we live in now too, with the charities, you, you started to see his name. Pop- I mean, he shotgun past most everybody totally did. which is great because the more i mean he's probably one of our most severe cases of somebody who got five. hit right five five total. and then um but he's also one of our greatest success cases totally yeah and that's that's the thing about being the greatest part about being a military warrior is that uh that you have the option to do that oh for and sure that, uh, he just keeps giving back i'm sure his personality had a lot to do with that probably yeah he is, I'd never met him before, and just hearing him, you can tell immediately that type of guy. And yeah, he's great. He's cool. I can't believe how fast he moved into that position where he, he realized that 
greater sense of service. Now, maybe because he was a sergeant, he was a little bit older, but man, like having that one dude come into his room, that was a godsend right there. You know, if you watch the documentary on him, Travis, the soldier story on Netflix, man, that thing's powerful. His book is incredible as well, too. You know, you you un, you get to understand those deeper layers, right? The explosion, it, it lit something off inside him as well, right? Yeah. To, to really push out his mental faculties, his emotional faculties, to where he could go and start changing lives on a much bigger scale than he ever would have had he never gotten hurt. It truly is hard to think about it. The injuries we sustain in combat it, as if it's the cocoon that just wraps around you at that very moment because everything's changed, especially guys get hit like that. Yeah. Changed in the moment. And um, to, to see what comes out on the other side is, you know, everybody's going to stand by to see what happens. And with him, I think his success was just limited off him getting used to walking around with them new legs. You know, right, I, right, I mean, it was just totally. that, that was the biggest part of it. And to overcome that obstacle, which, I mean, more and more every day, the technology that's being pushed out of that. And that's a great part about our military guys, too. They get to upgrade their legs as time goes on. It's, it's not like the mannequin leg that the Vietnam guys had. Yeah, I mean, but, he seemed to really, um, the physical element came easier because he seemed to have such a good grasp on the mental aspect of it. And when he was talking about his emotional and mental recovery from that, the power of perspective really surfaced for me. And what I, what I heard him talking about basically was just the power of perception. And then at the end, he mentioned it again, where he he said that you can't always control your situation, but you can control your attitude. That's the greatest part about having companionship in the, in the brothers though, because man, if he was in a room full of guys who felt sorry for themselves and, and even if he was motivated, it's still crippling. I mean, right. you can still bring it down. But if if everybody around you is fired up and motivated with his kind of his kind of thought processing, man, sky's the limit now. Well, and that's what's happened at the, his retreats. Yeah. I mean, he's bringing in you know hundreds of fam, hundred people in these families, and they're seeing, they're feeling that power, that motivation, that positivity. Right, because that's what you take him out of. Out of the hospitals where yeah. the people, are, when they go to see him, like, oh, you're hurt, I'm sorry. At the retreats, that's, there's none of that at none. all. None. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's what you guys do at the Lone Survivor Foundation with family retreats. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Bring the, the guy in first, then the wife, and then the family. I mean, that's the way rehabilitation works in its, in its comprehensive states, right? You can't just isolate the the individual veteran in one particular development, right? It's got to be a lifestyle rehabilitation. I mean, and and that's why organizations like the Lone Survivor Foundation and the Travis Mills Foundation they work so well. Absolutely. All right. If if you're if you're joining us for the Travis Mills show, man, you just heard one of the best shows we've done. I think this guy is is somebody that anybody can look up to. And in particular, if you're having a bad day, man, just think about what Travis does every single day and, and how he does it, particularly with his positivity, his focus, his determination, and his selflessness. Man, that'll inspire you to develop your never-quit attitude. If you, if you want to hear more great stories, then please visit our website at teamqpodcast.com. 
where you can get a list of all our shows. You can also subscribe uh, to our podcast on the iTunes app. Just type in team and we'll pop up as the first one. Uh, then you can go to any other uh, Android affiliated app that plays podcasts. Do the same thing. Team Never Quit Podcast. We pop right up. Uh, also on our website, we have uh, merchandise. You can check out great t-shirts and hats and other stuff that we have there. Um, as well as a spot for our listeners to write in their greatest never quit stories. Uh, and that's what we got here for you right now. All right. This one is from Chris. I've been a longtime listener to the podcast and I've kicked around the idea of writing in the mess I am in is my own making. You see, I'm a thief. Or at least I was. I had a good life. I had a solid job making good money with the respect to my f- friendship and my coworkers. A nice house, two great hit kids, a good marriage involved in my church. It was a good life. But I had a secret. I was stealing from my company and I had been doing so for a long time. And I would gotten good at justifying it. I just tried not to think about it at all. I told myself that I would do it one more time and then quit for good. I needed just enough money to get that next thing that I was wanting, and then I would stop at least. That's what I told myself. In September 2004, things inevitably came crashing down. People started asking questions, and I panicked. How did I get to this point? What was I going to do? I decided that the time had come to be an adult for once, and I confessed everything after a night of truly hellish dreams. My boss was shocked, but we got along well and he truly supported me. But my crime was too big and my fate was in the air. Because of all this, I pretty much crashed, mentally speaking. My first inclination was to go out in the backyard and kill myself. But in desperation, I called our employee assistance program and they got me with a counselor that day. And shortly thereafter, into an intensive outpatient program at Behavioral Health. While there, I was diagnosed with long-term major depressive disorder called mild OCD and a compulsive addiction dependency. I was told that my stealing was likely a way of my self-medicating and that my lizard brain had gotten so hooked on it that I was probably incapable of stopping on my own. Having money made me feel good and buying stuff was even better. But what I picked up on was that this wasn't my fault. I was the victim here. Even then, I refused to take responsibility, and I was looking to cast the blame somewhere else. I didn't do these things. My, my screwed-up brain made me do them, right? Eventually, things got turned over to the police. My world, which I had thought was destroyed, became an even darker place. Uncertainty plagued my every waking moment. I lost weight, and I was tormented by the intense attacks of severe, severe depression. Thoughts of suicide were my constant companion. And on more than one occasion, I came close to ending it all. I became familiar with the taste of a gun barrel in my mouth, that oily tang as the metal clacked over my teeth. But I was too weak to go through with it. At first, the thought of my kids was enough to keep me from harming myself. But as things got darker and darker, even that wasn't enough. I decided that everyone was better off without me. And that they deserved a good father, not some morally compromised piece of trash. The pain was intense, and I just wanted it to end. 
I was looking at potentially multiple years in prison, and I privately determined that if it got to that point, I was going plain and simple. Even my faith wasn't enough to maintain me at this point in my life. It was a mark of maturity that in times of trouble, you run towards God, but, I'd ra- but I ran the other way. I was ashamed and disgusted, and I felt I must be a huge disappointment to him, so I hid. I pulled back from all my friends and determined to go it alone. This was a mistake, but I, I just felt so tainted. At any rate, God was faithful, even if I was not. Things turned out much better than I deserved or that they had a right to. I spent some time in county jail, not a pleasant place, but not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. I met a lot of people that I wouldn't have ordinarily not associated myself with, and I learned that everybody is a person and worthy of human dignity, no matter what society or the justice system decrees. That is to say that people shouldn't have to pay for their transgressions, but I have a lot more empathy for the folks who are living that existence, caught in cycles of incarceration. I'd like to say that I have come out on the other side of this stronger and better, but the reality is that I'm still squarely in the middle of this storm, and I'm not sure that things will change anytime soon. I am working a new job, making it about half of what I did before. I have a felony conviction on my record. I'm paying back more money than probably be able to manage to successfully repay. And my marriage has ended, which is honestly pretty understandable. I went from a high degree of pride and passive arrogance about my life to feeling like an absolute scum of the earth, which is still, which I still struggle with, but I have gained some things as well. Compassion, understanding, and trust. I've learned a lot about trust. As I mentioned earlier, I was hesitant to write in. It's the one thing when life deals you a bad hand and you triumph above it. Such stories are inspirational and deservedly so. But when you deal yourself a bad hand, that gets a little trickier. And it's far from inspirational. At that point, you're introducing guilt and self-loathing. And those can be extremely difficult to overcome. I've put myself into a situation I am dealing with. And most people would say that I got exactly what I deserved. And I'm not sure I would disagree. But everyone has their burden to bear. And whether or not you cause it or you inherit it, but it's still real and it is impacting your life negatively. I guess if, I, if there are people out there in the same boat as me, I just wanted them to know they aren't alone. I've made my mistakes and I'm paying for them. And I hope to God that someday I can get past them, though I'm, not a sup- though I'm not super optimistic. All I can do is just keep on keeping on and hope for the best. As Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Another quote, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. I'm not sure I have courage most of the time, but at least I have the determination that I'm not going to quit. I can't afford to. I have two kids who are depending on me. And even though I'm deeply flawed, I'm their dad. And that means something bigger than me and my issues. I just want you to know that this podcast has helped me tremendously. I am endeavoring to change my mindset to replace depression with determination and to replace self-loathing with self-acceptance. Team Never Quit has helped me so much. This podcast has given me strength when I had none and has given me hope when I have lost it. And on some level, I think it has saved my life. 
And for that, I am eternally grateful. Sincerely yours, Chris. Chris, man, thank you so much. That's hard. I think everybody has has done some bad things in their life to a certain degree that they're ashamed of. Man, you 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 are taking it on the chin. You've paid your sentence. You're paying the money back, and and that's commendable. The obvious thing is, man, is you just drive on. We appreciate the letter and appreciate the courage for doing it. You know, that's the greatest thing, Marcus, that uh, this podcast and our community is doing. They're coming from all walks of life and all places and all forms with, with their never quit story, and they're sharing them so that we can create this great community that really covers the whole spectrum within the human condition. Yeah, we covered it on ourselves. I mean, to go stay man, that's human, right? Sometimes you're going to have to walk in the shoes and be the man that you're not, the kind of man that you are. And uh, the whole time he was, you were reading that, I was thinking about that quote that we have downstairs that I, that I see every now and again. It says, uh, the author is unknown, but it's basically a, a, a Comanche chief talking to his grandson. He's like, grandson, there's a, there's a battle between two wolves that live inside of all of us. And one is evil. It's anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, uh, inferiority, lies, ego. And then the other one is good. It's joy and peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, and empathy, and truth. And the grandson, Sefer Libby, is like, well, grandfather, which, how do you know which one wins? He's like, well, the one you feed. And there's so much truth to that, really. I mean, it's just about as simple as it gets. We all have them, right? Mm-hmm. We're, I hate to say that we're, we're born, we're not born with hate, but... You know, just over time, I guess, all those, the seven deadly sins kind of creep into us. And I said, Adelaide's four or three years old. I remember when another kid came over and I was kind of playing with him and she got jealous. <laughs> I mean, you, you see it in the kids. The kids are innocent, but I mean, it's just one of the, it's funny. It's like our little test to let you know you're human and you, mm. you, you kind of, I'm giving you free will, but I'm also throwing these in top of you just to see. Enticement. To keep you, yeah, right. To keep you humble. Absolutely. And, um. Then sometimes when you're chasing your star, you get blinded by the light and grab the wrong thing or make the wrong move. It happens. It just happens, right? But you, if you, if you, if you get busted, you fess up, right? That's kind of what we're saying, buds. But when you get busted, man, you fess up, you take your licks, and you charge for it. And that's what you're doing, man. And and uh, always remember where you came came from because it reminds it can remind you where you can go back to. And um, if that's a bad place, then you keep that close to you. So you just keep pushing forward. So thank you for writing in and telling that story, man. And Travis, you just keep doing what you're doing, brother, man. Just getting up every day and strapping on your legs and arms motivates more people than you'll ever know. I just want to give thanks to God. And I want to thank, uh, you know, all my family and friends and the teams and what I've learned from that. I want to especially thank Travis, man. You are one of a kind, brother. You are an amazing human being doing incredible things, and you're an inspiration to me. I know I can't wait for you to be an inspiration to my girls as well. Uh, I want to thank, you know, all our listeners out there. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, keeping coming back. It's just without you, we wouldn't have this show. And uh, I just, I feel so blessed. Thank you guys, too, for helping me live this purpose. I'm out. out.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 